Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Leon, and I'm here with Meredith, and this is Pastor Cast number 30. Exciting. I know, big three zero. <laughs> our Pastor Cast is all grown up. I know. So here we are. We're sitting on our back porch. It's uh, January 2nd, and uh, it's just chilly enough to have a little bit of a fire in the old gas fireplace here. Mm-hmm. Very nice. If people hear any wind in the background, that's because there's a beautiful breeze. Yeah, it's a gorgeous day today. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Great it's... day to be in Texas. Right. Awesome. So that's where we are now. Uh, for those who, if you haven't tuned into the Pastor Cast in a while and all of a sudden you have, found us once again, you're like, oh, that's where they went. Texas. Texas. Yeah. So we're in Austin, Texas at the Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church. Starting a brand new year, and uh, yesterday um, I started a brand new sermon series that we've been kind of thinking about and talking about for a little while, and it's a sermon series that is about kind of the foundations that we need to have the best year that we possibly can have, Um, and having a right foundation to step off in the right direction kind of thing. I know that's kind of a mixed metaphor, but I think you need a good good foundation, a good road, man, to walk on, right? Right, right, right. So anyway, I don't know what, uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, the idea of New Year's resolutions and, mm-hmm. you know, how difficult it is to keep New Year's resolutions, but how much better off we are. I mean, we've already kind of started it today. Mm-hmm. You started yesterday. You were a good girl. I was. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, it's kind of important for us as Christ followers to have almost, I don't know if there are different sets of resolutions, but categories you know, you have the resolutions that are important for us, that are important for everybody, right? Like um, making sure that we're treating our body like the temple that it is and eating healthy and getting enough exercise. And we want to do, you know, be smart uh, with our finances and do all those things. But I think there's some deeper, more significant, um, potentially more significant resolutions that we all need to make as Christians this year. And that's about how, how to be a better Christ follower. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, it's the, the context within which we're living right now, I think, is one that it's challenging to figure out exactly what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, there's even a lot of Christians are divided about what does that mean? What does it mean to, to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. You know, so how can you be a Christian and do that? You mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. how can you be a Christian and drive that car? How mm-hmm. can you be a Christian and vote for that person? I mean, mm-hmm. we've been hearing a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I think that sometimes, you know, we 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 focus on the things that are already sort of you know present in our culture, you know, like politics and um, you know social worldview and and all those kinds of things, and so we we kind of I don't know I think mistakenly attribute a lot of value to those things when it comes to your actual sort of walk with Christ. You know? I, in other words, I think we approach it backwards. I think we take our um, life experience in culture and our politics and we fashion God um, in a way in our minds that God then is congruent with those politics rather than doing it the other way, right? Which is trying to know and draw closer to Christ and then fashioning your worldview and your politics in a way that's congruent with Christ. Yes. So in, in seminary, that was the difference between what they called exegesis and eisegesis. So exegesis is when you approach the scripture and you were basically asking the text 
to work on you. Right. Like what does what is this what is this text saying to me? Like what's going on? How can I be transformed by it? Um, that I am I am sort of digging out of you know the text. And the eisegesis is where I take my assumptions and I go to the scripture and I, I want to find proof of my assumptions in the text. Um, right. It's a difference between you know like when I grew up the preaching that we had was the guy it was legal it was in a legalistic setting right so. They would have a proposition like I've got this idea of what what it means to be a Christ follower, and therefore I'm going to go and find all the texts and pull them, even if I have to pull it out of context, and I'm going to back that up. Right. You know, which I think a lot of us sometimes which do. Which is still happening. We have our own sort of canon of the Scripture, right? Uh-huh. That you know we sort of leave out a lot of the things that bother us, and then we just kind of focus on the things that that we think are awesome. Well, and I think all I think you know you focused on legalism, but I think that it's that same thing happens in what we would call liberalism. That is just taking the texts that you like that support your proposition, and then moving forward with those and forgetting all the others. Well, I think yeah, and and I'm don't don't misunderstand when I say legalism. I mean. Yeah, it, can, it has a connotation of being a more conservative, you know, hardcore, hard shell kind of thing. But I think legalism in its sort of pure sense is that that very thing. So you can be legalistic in your approach to your Christian faith. You can be and a be legalistic li- and be sort liberal. Of liberal or conservative, whatever you are in that spectrum. Yeah. So you can be a legalistic liberal and a legalistic conservative. Right, right? because you you're know? you're not approaching it with the – so kind of getting us back to what we were where we were heading – so what are some ways that we can kind of turn that on its head? Well, I think um, when I encounter new Christians who have not been, um, let's say, indoctrinated with with church for a lot of their life. So maybe a Hindu that comes to faith or someone who grew up in a completely agnostic family and never went to church. or When I encounter those people and they come to faith, and they start reading their Bible, they have their their image, their understanding of Christ and God and, and all of that and the Holy Spirit. It's like so hugely expansive. Have you ever noticed that? Right. Those seem to be, it's almost easier for those people to drill in on the real, real, real Christ. I'll never forget doing a Bible study with a woman who had read through, she was a brand new Christian, had never known anything about Christianity other than, you know, like just the very, very, very basics. And she was in our in my Bible study, and she read through the New Testament from start to finish. And she did it in, she did it in a short amount of time. Like, she read it in the weekend. And it was the first time she'd read it. And the first time she did she never really had any teachings on it. So she comes to my Bible study. And it was, like, on a Tuesday. I don't remember what day of the week it was. And she's, like, her mind is blown. She is, like, lit up with this excitement about the things that she read and the Jesus that she found without all the preconceptions and the politics and like the questions like well what does that mean well what does that mean like all the text she couldn't ignore right because she wasn't just learning her bible seeing you know participating in her bible by preachers choosing the text she had just read through the whole thing and she couldn't ignore some of that stuff that was confusing she she couldn't ignore the stuff that is really we'd all rather ignore and I remember conversing with her and I don't know that jealous is the right word, but I was like so wishing that I could come to the New Testament again with that whole thing. Like just reading it without all the other stuff that I think it says that it doesn't really say. Because I think for a lot of us who've grown up in churchy world, especially those of us who've been in churchy world for 
many, many years. We've been taught in Bible studies, youth directors, pastors, we've been taught that the Bible says and that the Christian faith means things that really are not in the Bible and it really doesn't need. And sometimes it's almost hard to get that out. Right. Right? And so part of, in my mind, part of what I want to work on for my New Year's resolution when I tell you about coming closer to Christ is I want to have that same um, excitement. Um, I'm reading through the New Testament again, and I am prayerfully and intentionally coming to it saying, wash away from my mind all the things that I think that these words say, and let me read them with a fresh view from the through the eyes of the spirit. So right. speak to me, spirit. Um, and you know that is so hard to do. It is. Um, even like reading through the first part of Matthew, which is typically the part that everybody um, glosses, you know, doesn't like to read. You're like, wow, what does this mean? Why is this here? What is this important? I mean, it's just, it's just a really challenging. And so that's a, the big resolution for me for this year is spending a lot of time asking me the for the Holy Spirit to show me what really are the Christ values that I should have. What is the most that I can know Christ and putting aside all my prior um, indoctrination, good and bad. Right. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's like that, that, that old illustration of, you know, when you go into a kindergartner class, a kindergarten class, and you ask them, you know, how many of you are artists? And, like, almost <laughs> all of them are going to raise their hand, right. you know, because... You know, they they haven't been told yet that there are, you know... That they're not good enough. That they're not good enough, right? right. They, and it's like over time they start realizing, you know, okay, well, this is not art. This is not good. I don't, I'm not good at that thing. You know, like they get... They, they start kinda, looking at Becky's picture, who looks better right, than their right, picture, right. and they start categorizing themselves according... Even with the best kindergarten teacher telling them everybody's art is beautiful. Right. Um, or mom and dad going, oh, this is fantastic. And they hanging begin it on to the quickly learn, yeah. They're like quickly figure out, you know, mom and dad are not art critics. You know? <laughs> they, they obviously have poor taste. Right, you know? but the mistake we make as humans is to put a value on an art that meets our criteria and assign a specific value to that that is not in God's scale. Well, right. this so is God's value of the art probably is way more about intentionality than it is about how it looks at the end. But well, we as humans are all about how it looks at the end. And this is the this is the issue that you're kind of that that I think we're kind of skirting around a little bit here is that okay, so you've got you know a group of people who are saying okay, we're we're following Jesus, right? We're going to be you know this is whatever we call ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. Presbyterians, Methodists, whatever, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, but within that context, right? They have a, a they, they have their own sort of criteria about what is proper art and what isn't. Right. And so when someone comes into that, um, and they have all these ideas, they have questions, they have their own sort of spin on it. Maybe they have a way of thinking and seeing it differently that you know challenges the status quo. It challenges that group's assumptions. Boy, I tell you what, that that that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to really, I think how how close people are following Jesus because. If it's about Jesus, then they're going to be able to to say we can be transformed by the gifts of these people. We can be transformed by this new understanding, by this new way of thinking about it, or by this person's you know perspective or their enjoyment or their excitement. You know, it kind of you know can breathe new life into the group, and if they're if they will be willing to let it. But most most churches, most communities of faith, most denominations. 
they have their sort of you know walls that are set up, their boundaries, and you know it's difficult to break through those. It's difficult. Well, those to boundaries are, are based on comfort, right? Because, they are. It's based on comfort. You know, it's not meanness. It no. is. Um, it feels comfortable to me to know that here's my set of beliefs and that they're the right beliefs and that I'm hanging around with people that have these right beliefs. That's a very, very comfortable place to live. It's yeah. very uncomfortable to be in situations where you allow yourself to question um, question those beliefs and hang out with people who maybe have some slightly different beliefs. That's what I love about both um, First Pres Eustis, where we served prior, and Shepherd of the Hills, this big tent idea that we have people um, that have a spectrum of beliefs in our church on political and social issues. Um, and the only thing that I wish or want or desire or pray that we all have in common is trying to be continually checking in on those, no matter where we are on that spectrum, checking in with us, the Holy Spirit, checking in with our scriptures, checking in with our teachings, and, and just being sure that whatever those ideas are, that they really are founded in Christ, um, absolutely, and I and I think in the cosmic Christ sense. And I think the thing that would that is helpful, perhaps for you know for for moving forward, I guess, is you know to, to the one thing that you want to make sure that you don't um, you don't adopt the one thing that you maybe you know that that eat whatever group that you happen to be in is you don't want to fall back on dogmatism and thinking right. that you know we've this is this is it. I have the answer. You know, the arrogance of that is something that lands on me. Because, you know, so several years ago, you know this, I started reading, you know, I started doing daily devotions for myself, like, you know, kind of sitting down, reading scripture, kind of journaling and stuff. And I have this little devotional book. And so every year I read through the New Testament. I've been doing it now for, I don't know, man, how many years? Now? A lot of years. So <clears throat> so I read through the New Testament every year. So this devotional gets you through. It's a it year in the New Testament. It gets me through every year. Cool. And... Um, and you know, every time I read, I find something I've missed. Right. And 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 that you know, I'm like, how did I not see that before? I've read through the New Testament now in my lifetime. Gosh, oh, I can't even like. Work. I don't know how many. You've times. memorized entire scores of times. You've memorized entire chapters. In some cases, books of the New Testament you've memorized. And so then you start talking. You start <laughs> thinking about okay. So but for, you were doing that with all of those preconceptions and politics and teachings and all of that that were in your head at the time. Right. Well, I mean, if you look at people who've been doing this their whole life, okay, yeah. like they've lived I, long lives. Like, like N.T. Wright is like one of my favorite theologians. That guy Philip is Yancey. prolific writers, man, that dig into the scripture. Who's that the other one that we love that did the message? Eugene Peterson. Eugene, his whole like, life. These man. guys that have been doing this a long, and they long still time. find new stuff, and they're they still, still are thinking new thoughts based on. And you know what it is? And you know their trajectory is completely getting closer to Christ, closer to Christ every well, year. And they hold on, they hold loosely to the things that I guess they've determined don't really matter mm -hmm. in the like, great grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Like hold tightly to the stuff that does matter. And, the, and so, of course, then that's the debate that happens. What does matter? What does matter? And, right. and so kind of, I don't know. So I guess getting back to where our, where our conversation started about the things that matter, I guess, in terms of resolutions. And your resolution was, you know, I want to draw closer to Christ. So how do we do that? We've kind of touched on some stuff, and we've done this before. You know, obviously, your own study mm -hmm. um, is important. Well, I think, you know, uh, this is a big one for me. I can't, You cannot neglect the time. There's nothing, there's no, no substitute for time. No. And when I mean, what I mean when I say that is, 
um, listening to quality podcasts, reading quality writers, studying your scripture, digging, 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 praying, praying, praying. There's just, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care like how many high spiritual moments you have at a, at a conference in a year. There is no, um, there is no substitute. I have found now after 48 years, there is no substitute for just the discipline of sitting down and doing something daily. That's it. And when you don't feel like it, when you're not in the mood, right. doing it anyway. There's no. I wish there was a substitute. Well, and I think the other. There, okay, so another, another part of that too is okay. So yes, there's that individual sort of. I've got to do this. I've got to spend time in prayer. I've got to spend time, you know, reading, thinking, actually, actually devoting energy right. to learning more about you know the Bible, learning more about what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ. The other part of that I think too is that you know. Even though you're doing that by yourself, there's other things you can. And so right. you need to have a community. Right. You've so got right to have some kind of community. Is, so right about now is the somebody's listening and they're thinking, okay, yeah, of course, preacher man, you're trying to tell us that church is important because that's what you do is church. But I think it really is important. And and in church isn't important because you sit there on Sunday morning. No. However, Sunday morning is critical in my opinion. I, I think so, yeah. Um, to grow and learn. Um, but the importance of the church in your life should be the community of people with whom you can journey and question and despair and celebrate and live. I mean, I, I don't see how Christ could have been any more um, clear of the value of community in his teachings. Um, you know, he didn't just get together with one guy. They had disciples. Uh, they had your core 12, and then they were followed and encouraged by groups of others. He loved communal meals. He taught, in he, his teachings were almost exclusively in communal settings. Uh, you know, God made us all different, and I believe one of the reasons we're so different is so that we come, as we come together, these differences uh, combine to make a better whole so when I'm learning in a Bible study group or in, a, in my sitting with people in church who are different than me, I am made better by that experience. Absolutely. Um, so so, so I, 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 I have to be checking in with myself because, of course, I'm going to be rah, 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 sis, boom, bah, you need to be in a church because that's what we do. But we're doing it because it's what we're supposed to do for the right reasons, not like as a social place to go, but to be with people who can help you grow and stretch and learn and be your best Christ self. Absolutely. And I, and I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I just look back to what, what happened with me, you know, like what the community did for me, mm. you know, so I can speak to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say, look, I, I grew up in church. I get it. I was, you know, I, I, I was in the wrong kind of churches, um, you know, and so it soured me. You know, and there's lots of people that have that notion. So then they go, well, I can just do this on my own. You know, um, I can do my own Bible study. I can do my own stuff. I, you know, I can, I don't need that. I'm spiritual that. on the golf course. Right. Or I'm spiritual. I, I'm more in touch with God when I'm out in nature, pa- you know, paddle boarding, kayaking, fishing, hunting. Which really cetera, cetera, is cetera, a cetera. spiritual experience. I am Absolutely. not debating that that shouldn't be a spiritual experience. No. But it's not a replacement experience for, right. for community. Exactly. People. Yeah, so my experience was when I came to community, when I came to that kind of community, 
um, where, you know, it was really all about that. You know, I, I, when I started getting fed and I started getting transformed, you know, then I, then I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to be part of something that was bigger than me. You know, and I think that that's, you know, that's part of it is being able to, being able to, you know, just do life with people, walk with people. It was so important. It was so important that um, in the early church and in the, the way that the, the, the church mothers and fathers, you know, debated what was going to happen in terms of the canon itself, in terms of the Bible itself, that one of the criteria for what made it into the New Testament was that it couldn't have been something, a book that was written based on someone's special revelation of only having a conversation with them and Jesus, which is why the Gospel of Thomas and Gospel of Mary and all these other Gospels, Philip, they didn't make it in, really. One because reason, It was one of the reasons. Because they were like, yeah, this has to be something that was sort of widely experienced, you know, experienced by the community, you know, that we knew this, you know, that uh, this was part of our experience together. So as you are... Um contemplating 2017 for your own church community and then for church communities we've served before like what are your hopes and and visions and dreams for 2017 as a church community well i think there's a lot of people that um <clears throat> that are that that are not really experiencing anything whatsoever to do with jesus because um, they've had such a negative experience, or they've you mean had people no that are not experience. in the church. Yeah, people that are not, you know, they just—it's just not part of their life. You know, they're like, oh, I got other things, you know, to be fulfilled. Yeah. And I and I think, and there's <clears throat> there has been a lot of negative connotations that have to do with Christianity and and Christians and church and so forth. So I think that you know that's my my vision is that um, we become the kind of community of faith, you know, in, in my particular church that I'm serving now, and then for you know. For any church, really, that they become the kind of community of faith where they're not afraid uh, to to go out and to to engage the culture, to engage people, and to meet them where they are, and to not be challenged by their questions or by their lack of belief, and to not try to convince them by proofs and by hitting them over the head with facts and you know, and they're they're sort of you know what I mean, mm -hmm. but to journey with people and to earn the right to begin to speak about the things that matter to to, to us, um, you know, the church that we just left, there were so many people that came to that church over the past two or three years that were were telling us we didn't like church, we hated church, we never wanted to go to church, but yet this church was different, and it was because you know I think we had really fostered that atmosphere. Yeah. Okay, so that's your vision for getting people outside the church to come in the church. What about those of us that are already in the church? Well, I think that that's part and parcel of what... Well, to become the people that right. bring people in. But what about for, for us else do you have a vision for, for 2017? Well, I mean, I, I think I just... I, I mean, for for me, I mean, I, I you know, my, my thoughts have been just to go deeper, you know, to go mm -hmm. deeper into my faith and, mm -hmm. um, you know, to wrestle with... <clears throat> the big issues and the, and the, you know, to really kind of dig into um, the Bible even deeper than I have before. You know, that's kind of what I want to do as a preacher, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and to and to 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 help my congregation and to help myself. I mean, because every time I sit down and I do a sermon series, I mean, it's preaching on me first. You know, and so I, I my big word for this year, and that's kind of where I'm going with this sermon series. At the end of it all. The very last sermon that's going to get preached at the end of January is going to be one where we talk about, like, okay, 
what is the one thing, the one word that you're going to hold on to this year that you feel like God is really speaking into your life? And the word that I, you know, that I came to me was trust. You know, just trust me. Um, you know, trust that I've got this. I mean, because like right now you look out in the world and it's, it's pretty chaotic, man. It's pretty uncertain. There's a lot of junk going on. And I don't always know how I feel about that stuff. You know, sometimes I feel one way, sometimes I feel another. You know, there I'm challenged by people that believe different things than me. Um, you know, I have a tendency, you know, to, because of my form of fundamentalism to, you know, as soon as I hear something that somebody's like, you know, well, this is the way it should be. Or this is the, you know, this is the, this is the way that that, that text is, should be interpreted. And I mean, all of a sudden my, you know, I get my hackles up, you know, like, oh man, I think that I, I just need to trust God in all that. Like God's like, you just do what you do. You listen for me. You trust me. You step out in faith. And, you know, and I got this, you know. And so I think for, for me personally, that's kind of what I want. But I want for our congregation, that for all of our congregation to sort of get that too. Like what is it that God is speaking to me this year that I need to step into? You know, whatever that is. Patience, uh, you know, love, hope, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what their words might be, right. but I, I do hope that uh, we can get to that point where, you know, they're all kind of holding on to that. One thing I hope for this year is that we can get even better at helping each other understand um, and experience life together in the way that Christ would have us. Um, my, my word for the church is community. So my dream for the church, our church 2017, is that we can do even better at helping each other live life together in Christ. That we can, um, this church has a tremendous um, history of, of mission. Yeah. And I would love to see that expand even more, to yep. have even more people involved in mission. I want people to say about Shepherd of the Hills, this is why I go to this church. Because this church helps me lead a better Christ life. That's what my that's kind of my vision for 2017. I want people to be like, oh, I don't just go to church because I have friends there, or right. because I like the preacher, or because I swing and sing in the choir. I want to be able, as a community, to have such an impact on each other um, that we are able to say at the end of 2017, we the members and friends of Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church are, are closer to Christ in large part of, because we have been together in community. We've gotten ourselves, we've helped each other through some bad times, some exciting times. We have taken our gifts and helped make a better world together. We have um, grown deeper together. That's what kind of my vision for 2017 is. For, the, for our Shepherd of the Hills family. I want us to be sitting there December 31st and looking at each other and say, um, this was a better year in large part because of us, because of each other, and right. what we were able to do with each other, for each other, and then together for God's great world. I think that's awesome. And I think that both of those sort of dreams and visions that we have go together. They go together because what you're talking about really does lend itself to a lot of authenticity and openness. Amen. And that's what and people no are BS craving. in church. No BS. It's none. None. I will tell you, 
Okay, so can I just say, I mean, I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit on our congregation, man, because <laughs> the thing that I, one of the things, the many things that I love about uh, what I've already experienced is that there is an, a sense of authenticity yep. there. Yeah, That it's like we, you know, if there's a mistake that we make in the worship service or, you know, that I bumble something, I mean, you know, I'm not... I, I, I've always been that way. I will acknowledge I messed up the Lord's prayer. Right, you know, right. I, I realize congregation that, that the pastor just bumbled the Lord's prayer, you know, or something like that. But, you know, their their openness to that, uh, to the, the messiness and the fun and the joy and the excitement that they feel um, as a result of, you know, just that kind of thing that you're talking about. I think it's already sort of there. It just needs to be deepened, you know? Well, and I think that the only way the church moves forward in the future, if you think about, you know, the millennials and the youngers, what is that? What are younger than millennials called now? I don't know. Generation double Z. I think that the, the only way they're going to participate in a church community is if it has that no BS, zero BS tolerance. Yeah. Because they are so attenuated to seeing authenticity, and they 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 see baloney so much easier it. than early earlier generations, and they are absolutely they have zero patience for it. So I think that the capital city, we're going to have to go forward, making authenticity one of our most important guide words, even if it sometimes means we have to confess things that we wouldn't otherwise want to confess and we have to admit that we're messy and broken and messed up and all the Absolutely. things we already know anyway. Yep. Um, I, I just, a church where people go and put a fake smile on their face and uh, sit there all stodgy doing their duty is just not going to survive. And is, yeah. in fact, we see around us is not surviving. I'm, I'm, I, I've, I'm extraordinarily excited about this coming year and where it's going to lead us. I mean, I think that um, this this congregation that we're a part of, and there's a lot of other congregations like it. I mean, they're they're out there. Well, Jay Bloater just joined us, and um, he's kind of a target audience, right? So Jay is twenty, almost twenty two next month. So when you look at what you think is going to make the church work in the future, and when I say the church, I mean. A, group, a community of people that comes together and does life together, supports each other in raising children and burying husbands and celebrating marriages and Bible study and all that. What do you think is going to make that work for people your age and younger? What's going to attract you guys? Because what we're talking about is what our visions for the church are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and is this for the church in general? Or yeah, for I want our, no, no, church in general. Church. church in general, like as we're you think about it. A, yeah. Because our church should follow that, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I what think. I think my age group is much more concerned with it being the hands and feet of Christ um, aspect of, of faith. Uh, so people who go out of their way to help others, to mm-hmm. show others who Jesus is through their actions. Um, I think I, I came in right when you were talking about how we can smell, you know, you know, fakeness or mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. people who are, who are not being, you know, genuine Christians. Um so you think that living out your faith by actually yeah. doing things that Christ would have us do, yeah. taking care of the poor, oh, exactly. the neglected, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. widows. Missions, missions are a huge, 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 huge focus of my age group's faith, um, which is one thing that I think that Shepherd well, does very well. And what does our dear brother James say? Show me, how did it go? Show me your works. 
show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works or some like something that. like that. Yeah, I get it yeah, wrong. Faith. But bottom line is faith, faith without works is, is dead. dead. Yeah. And yeah. I, and your I, generation, my generation especially. takes that. I, I think those who are, who are very um, focused and intense about their faith and, and my age group take that very seriously. I agree. You're not impressed with, with the, with the gal who sits in church on Sunday morning and then goes to work on Monday morning and proceeds to try to, Screw her clients out of all their money. Yes, very much. Y'all very see much that and you're so. like, uh-uh. Which I mean, I feel like I feel like everyone, even if you aren't a Christian, should be should be you know appalled by that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or or communities of faith that pat themselves on the back for just writing checks too. You know, which I mean, yeah. it's important to write checks. It is, yeah. And I think that that's what Shepherd does a really good job of. Is it's not just about writing checks. They do that, but. They're out. They send people every year out on the mission field yeah. to, to do stuff. You know? well, but and, you're saying the church of the future has got to be even more hyper focused on service. Yeah, and to and, show you a value for going. Yeah, and the and the church of the future, I think, needs to focus on sustainability as well. So, and instead of doing short term projects in both internationally and domestically, you know, there needs to be churches need to focus on establishing presences in communities both. Um, close to them and abroad that are continued sustained mm -hmm. mission projects and, 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 and service projects so that it's not just like one of those things. One thing that I, when I, when I very much can't stand it. It happens a lot because of my age groups and, you know, intense desire to go off and serve is they'll go to XYZ country for a week, play with some kids and then come back. And like really like lives were changed. Yes. But it was really just more of to satiate their own, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. So um yeah so I, I think that's so that's service is the service of the yeah I think I think service I mean and, and this could be just my my own you know preference as well but I I think I speak well, I think for you a, talk a, to a lot, lot of, of Christians yeah, your age. yeah well um I think that our brother James would be very happy to hear that yes because he was saying two thousand years ago that that's what we should be doing is living yeah. out our faith Absolutely. well and and, and I mean service. and when Paul talks about the early church you know that was one of the things that he commend he both commended and instructed that the churches on that he wrote to was their ability or inability to give to the poor mm -hmm. and to you know make sure that those who were widowed were taken care of and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that mm -hmm. they ate together and that you know food was shared you know mm -hmm. um well, look at the parable of the sheep and the goats the the, the, the ones that got sort of cast out away from the presence of God were not the ones who, you know, um, prayed a specific prayer, you know, yeah. did a specific thing. They were the ones, the people that got cast out were the ones who didn't uh, show justice and mercy and walk humbly with God. Yeah, which I, I think I think that, that parable, you know, really raises a lot of questions of what it means to be a person of faith and to be a Christian. Well, and it, it brings up what we started, we're kind of circling back to how we started this conversation, which is we've got to do better about knowing the real Christ, mm -hmm. not the Christ overlaid with our own political agendas, our own past poor teachings, but to really dig in. Because I think my sense is that as the closer you come to know God through Christ, the more you are able to do the things that matter to Christ in the world, your yeah. priorities shift yeah. Naturally, because you draw closer to him. So, yeah. wow. Okay, so great podcast, people. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Well, I think uh, hopefully the through the wind and the fire, you uh, which I think is kind of cool. I do too. The wind and the fire, That's people. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, Pentecost is a few months away, but we'll get there. All right. All right so uh, thanks for Happy joining new us, year. folks. Happy New Year, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do our very best. 
to make a resolution to do these podcasts on a more frequent basis. So we'll we'll do our very best. Maybe what we could also do is have some guests on our podcast every once in a while. So let's we'll think let's think about that. It's good to have Jay Jay Bloater as a as our. Now, now he's going to be living here, so he could be a permanent guest, a frequent guest, a frequent guest on the pod, on the pastor cast. All right, guys, have a great week. Uh, be blessed and uh, make some make some good resolutions. Step out in faith. We'll see you.